welcome to the second season, second series of the McYappin Fries podcast. Hello. I'm Gavin. I mean. If you're a first time listener, welcome. <laughs> if you're a first time listener, how the fuck did you find this thing? Yeah, that's, that's, a, very, <laughs> that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, McYappin Fries podcast, the podcast that uh, covers movie news, trailer reviews, and movie reviews, and then we round out with the Malaysian uh, top 10 and uh, the US top 10. Yeah. Today's a bit of a special thing. We're coming back after two months off, right? Yeah, two months. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a good, clean two months. I had to uh, work in Singapore. I had to work on the website. <laughs> Gavin did a play. I did nothing. The web, the website will be looking a lot better soon. So yeah, yeah, that'll, be season, <laughs> that'll be season 2.5. Yeah, just, uh, just bear with us. We'll be launching features. <laughs> All right, let's, so into the news. Uh, oh, today, today as well, we'll be reviewing uh, Watchmen because we talked about it for so fucking long on this podcast that it just happened to come out on our, while we were on hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also do a pr- special preview of Star Trek, the new Star Trek movie. The new Star Trek movie. Ian and myself were fortunate enough to get uh, very advanced screening tickets. And that very was advanced. awesome. Thanks to you know who you are. Yes, thank you, Pinky Bots. <laughs> 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 anyway, onto the news. Uh, for all you Japanese animation fans out there, this could potentially be very bad news for you. Warner Brothers have acquired the rights to turn the Japanese manga Death Note into a live-action film, which is a bit late, seeing yeah. as there have already been two live-action films done which by. I haven't haven't watched yet. I've seen the first one, and uh, I've seen like bits and pieces of the second one. The first one was pretty good fun. Yeah, it was pretty good fun. Uh, and uh, so, so there are already two Death Note movies out there. Three, if you count L, Change yeah. the World, or yeah, which has got nothing to do with anything really. It, it's basically it's a spin-off movie of one of the characters. Yeah, the, the, the story is what the, the Shinigami again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. One of these Death Gods leaves his binder behind. If you write someone's name down, they die. That's the Death Note. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who uh, are unaware of the series. Um, I think it was a very, it's a very, very popular. Um, ridiculously popular. It's ridiculously popular in Japan. Um, it's about a kid who um, finds a black book, which is the Death Note, and uh, you know he has the power to basically kill anyone just by writing down their names on the page. Victimless crime. Victimless crime. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect crime. It's it's actually it's actually pretty cool. I mean, the concept behind it is really cool. And once he picks up the Death Note, he's ha- he's uh, hounded by. The, the Death Note fucking god or whatever the hell he, he wants is. it back. Yeah, no, doesn't want it back. Who's just like you know? Yeah, this is this is how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> let me teach you how to do it properly. <laughs> you know, like that kind of shit. Cool. So it's actually pretty cool. Uh, I don't see. I mean, I'm sure they'll find a way to translate it to uh, an American audience, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm a fan of the original, so I don't. See, uh, to me, by make, make, turning it all They'll white They'll water it down and turn it to shit. It's gonna, you know, but just by having, replacing all the characters with white people just doesn't seem to make sense to me. No. It's like a Wreck and Quarantine. The, wasn't it Wreck was the original Spanish movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently Quarantine, most of it is nearly shot for shot. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, save for a couple of things. Yeah. And it's really funny, I was reading a DVD review of it, and they say in the special features in the making of, they interview a whole bunch of people, None of them bring up the original. None of them at all. Yeah, the, 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 the original. It's the elephant in the room. The original is not even mentioned in any of the Jesus interviews Christ. by anyone. <laughs> I mean, we're both big fans of that uh, Swedish movie. Not Swedish, Norwegian movie. Let the right one in. Swedish movie. Yeah, that's yeah. been optioned as well for a US release. Yeah, God. Let Let the right one in. It's the best vampire movie in a long fucking time. Screw you, Twilight. Yeah, whatever, man. Eli's twelve and she'd kick Edward's fucking ass. Fucking Pat Pattinson. <laughs> Oh god! I was glad when you died in Harry Potter. <laughs> this is well. This is uh, kind of like uh, news that the first time I saw it, I was like, "What the fuck?" Did you read about this? Uh, Oliver Stone is directing Wall Street Two. 
Oh, I've heard stuff about that. There's some movie. Um, it's is it the Ghost of Girlfriend's Past? Yeah. That that's what's generated some of this stuff because I think it's Matthew McConaughey and he's in it. Douglas is McDonald's Douglas is in it, is and apparently he gets to play a douche, and it, it's his father kind of thing who raises him to be a complete douchebag. Mm-hmm. And apparently his role in this is the thing that's got people talking about it again because it's like he hasn't. I don't know what has he done recently. It was good. Last thing I watched him was Wonder Boys. Last last good thing I saw him in was Wonder Boys. Mm. And true, not traffic. Traffic. He was yeah. really in uh, traffic as well. Uh, I saw the last movie he did. I think it was what the Sentinel. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with that. No, uh, it was like a bad episode of Twenty Four. Yeah, <laughs> and it didn't help that you actually had Jack Bauer in, in mm. the movie. It just like really made everything really fucking weird. Why isn't like, Jack just kicking ass? What the fuck? Taking orders from Michael Douglas? <laughs> uh, but uh, this one apparently, like the sequel, it's been in development hell for a while. Mm-hmm. And the original script, I think it was called um, Money Never Sleeps, and it was written by uh, Stephen Schiff. Wall Street Two, Street Harder. Who who wrote uh, Deep End of the Ocean, which I haven't seen it, but he also wrote Lolita, the Adrian Lyne Lolita, which I thought oh. was, which I thought was pretty good. Uh-huh. Um, but the script has been since uh, rewritten by Alan Loeb, who co-wrote Twenty One. Mm. The, mm. the, the the poker movie. Yeah, the poker movie, which uh, you know, which which was you know fun, but it was fluff. Um, and a stone been attached all this time. Nah, because I, I mean, apparently Oliver Stone went on record a while ago saying that he would not. That he, you know, he doesn't he, do sequels. He doesn't do sequels. This is the first time he's ever doing a sequel, so it's like, you know, Oliver. It sounds like a fucking terrible idea, you know, because yeah. and uh, Shia LaBeouf is in talks to join. Oh Christ! And it's like, come on, man. I would rather cast Charlie Sheen again now as he is <laughs> than have Shia LaBeouf play like a young Charlie Sheen type character. Yeah. Fuck o- it. Oliver Stone needs money. Yeah. <laughs> and Catherine Zeta Jones just she just needs more. Oh, they're gonna put her in it. <laughs> Oh, no. she's just Douglas. No, Michael Douglas. No. Have you seen her much since she got married? <laughs> nope. Nope. A Zorro sequel to pass the time. I didn't even watch that. I mean, enjoyed the first one. I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah, the first one was pretty good fun. In, um, we love the movie so much, we're gagging for any bit of news news. There's uh, the first shot of Iron Man 2 was out this week. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> it, gives you, it gives nothing away. It just looks like a, it looks like a still from the first it's, movie. It's a testament to how badly, you know, to how anticipated a movie is when a shot of a guy sitting at a desk. <laughs> with some suits in the with background. With some suits in the background. Fucking awesome, dude! Like, oh yeah! He's gonna kick ass! Oh, bring it! Have they finished the, the cast? That was in the black hole of while we were away. Have they, have they actually finalized the casting for Black Widow? Is it now Scarlett Johansson? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And Mickey Rourke has signed on? Mickey Rourke is officially officially on board. But I haven't still haven't clarified who exactly he's playing. Whiplash. It is Whiplash. Yeah. Oh, okay, so he's not the Crimson Dynamo. No. Okay. Uh, and um, Scarlett Johansson is uh, Black Widow. Um, and the rest. Well, Sam Rockwell is some uh, someone who challenges Tony in his professional life. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah. It's um, Russell Hammer or some shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's some Hammer Industries. It's, it's uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the first shot was released, the first uh, official uh, photograph from Iron Man 2 was released on USA Today. For those of you who are interested like in Iron Man 2, you want to find out more about it, actually, you can follow John Favreau on Twitter. Yeah. He's constantly fucking updating shit. And it's really like fun little nuggets, you know, it's like... That's the fun thing for Twitter. I mean, the only... Mickey Rourke's first day, he did not disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? What was it the... Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, He's on yeah. fire! Yeah, Robert Downey... You know, Downey was on fire today. <laughs> We've hit our stride. <laughs> that's what that stuff like Twitter is for. I mean, it's like Warren Ellis and stuff like that. Yeah. that, that those are interesting people to follow. I'm not going to follow you. <laughs> uh, another one that I read was like, Down, Downey dons the suit. <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> You're so gagging funny news for this fucking movie. Anything, yeah. Just, just so you can imagine, like, right at that very moment, as you read that, as it comes in, 
Robert Downey Jr. is putting on the Iron Man suit. <laughs> How awesome is that? <laughs> uh, and um, moving on to uh, another remake is in the works. But this one, actually, I'm not entirely opposed to. They're remaking Drop Dead Fred. Oh, I heard, I saw this. And it was like, but it was like, I think the headline was, they're remaking Drop Dead Fred? Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Yeah, with uh, Russell Brand. Oh! Russell Brand uh, taking over Rick Mail's role. Ah. I, I consider this to be good news for the uh, for the reason that um, uh, hopefully Russell Brand will be too busy to star in the remake of Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. And also because you know, secondly, that we should we should actually be grateful that Hollywood is remaking a movie that could use an improvement. Yeah, it was a good idea, but it, it wasn't was a good executed. Idea. Very it wasn't well. executed very well. I mean, I like the casting. Phoebe yeah. Cates is just like I, you know, it's just like some weird boyish fantasy. Gremlins. <laughs> Ever since Gremlins. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Rick Mail was. Just Rick Mail, but he never really made a big in the, in the U.S. But that was his big break. That was thing. that was his like uh, yeah, his, his only I think main yeah main role in in a Hollywood film. It's a kid whose uh, imaginary friend comes back in their adult life and causes fucking havoc. Not much is known about the uh, Drop Dead Fred remake except that uh, they want to reimagine it more to the tone of Beetlejuice. Okay. To have it be something like that, which I'm not opposed to. No. You know, it's like you know, if if this is if this starts a new trend, I mean, I hope it's a big hit that it starts a new trend of Hollywood going to lesser-known movies. Yeah. And well, they're remaking fucking everything. You know, flawed films. That, they're remaking that, everything and basing movies on everything. You're gonna get a packet of crisps at the movie coming yeah. soon. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that you're not gonna stop, um, you know, this trend of remakes. No. So the most that you can hope for is that they remake movies that can be improved upon. They, you know, like leave the classics alone and yeah. go back to the stuff that didn't work. That, which and there's tons. Yeah. I tell you what, I wouldn't mind seeing a remake of is fucking Lost in Space. The Lost in Space movie that we got was yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah. Although they did have to do to the voice he's dead now. I think he died soon after, relatively recently. I think. So. The robot's cool. I know. Danger, Will Robinson. Dude, you can get another voice. Mm. You can get another voice. But anyway, yeah. Uh, this is uh, pretty good news. Uh, teaming up for the first time since the score, De Niro and Norton. Mm. Yeah, they're starring in an independent film uh, called Stone, which is about a security guard, played by De Niro, who befriends a teaching assistant, played by Norton. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, wh and what's the, where's the plot come from? Don't know. <laughs> that's all. That's that. That's the only thing that that's that's in the plot description. So I have no idea what it's about. De Niro's in it, so I'm sure. Security Rob guards. I'm sure robbery yeah. will be involved or something. Security guards are the new uh, vampires. There's fucking Paul Black Mall Cop. Then there's Observe, observe and, and Observe and Report. Yeah, Observe and Report. Yeah, yeah. Which I hear is actually pretty dark. Is it? Observing report. I hear it's actually quite a dark. I heard moment. a very scathing review. It was just like it's Paul, it's it's Paul Blarton. It was. I think more of the, the review was more scathing because the producers went online saying we want to be we want to be dark and all this kind of stuff and we wanted to. I think he said it's the first film inspired since Taxi Driver and he's like no it's fuck it's the first comedy inspired by Taxi Driver and the reviewer was like no it's fucking not. King of Comedy is the comedy you know is the comedy movie inspired by Taxi Driver. They did it themselves. Don't be such an unintelligent, uneducated bitch <laughs> when you're publicizing your fucking movie. You can almost kind of imagine how she would say it too. Is it a she? No, it was a guy. Oh, it was a guy, okay. You can almost kind of imagine how, how he would say it. And it's like, you know, I think our movie, I mean, one thing about our movie is that it's probably the first comedy inspired by uh, a Taxi Driver and other Scorsese works. Wow. <laughs> With a plank to the face. Fucking hell, chair. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it's if it's these days, a Robert De Niro vehicle doesn't really get me excited because it's not like, anymore. Not anymore. You know, not anymore. But I mean, uh, the, the the best, the last best thing I enjoyed him in was um, in Stardust because he had a great role in that. It was just like again playing against his normal type, but now he's played against type so many times that it's rubbed off. He needs to do some big, heavy hitting fucking movies again to yeah, build yeah, that yeah. back up again to be Robert De Niro. 
He needs, he, needs, he needs to pick up the phone and call Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> Casino 2, baby! But, uh, but yeah, but, uh, the movie is written by Angus McLaughlin, who wrote Junebug. Oh, I haven't heard that. I've seen that for the first time. It's, it's a good movie. And it's directed by John uh, Curran, who directed We Don't Live Here Anymore. And the painted veil, which uh, Edward Norton also started, okay. which is pretty good. That was him and Naomi Watts, depressing as fuck, but pretty good. Oh, this is just this just pissed me off. Denzel Washington is in talks to reteam with Tony Scott for Unstoppable. What's on, what's? I haven't heard the synopsis. What's this? It's about a runaway train carrying a load of toxic chemicals straight to a major American city, and Washington plays a locomotive engineer. Oh, they're remaking Death Train. It's like, what? Didn't you just make a movie together that takes place on a fucking train? Train to taking a pal on one, two, three. You know, and you're, you know, you're doing this other movie called, you know, and the title, Unstoppable. There's a Wesley Snipes directed DVD movie with the exact same title. <laughs> that, you know, that's like bad feng shui for your fucking movie. But I think it was one of uh, one of Chris Brosnan's in between movies was Death Train, I think, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. That was one of like it's a load of nuclear waste going to Paris or something like that. So. I guess you, you got your wish. They're remaking lesser-known movies they could do with a remake, but just not that team, not now. Just not claiming it's a remake. Yeah, yeah. Passing it off as something original. Fuck you. I'm so sick to death of Denzel Washington and Tony Scott <laughs> making movies together. You want to do something else? No, you know why? It's because every Tony Scott movie is done with that Tony Scott lighting. Yes. You know, and it's That's like... That's thing, though. I know, I don't mind, but show different faces in it. You keep showing the same face. Like, he knows how to light Denzel. It's just you know, it's too much now effort. Like when I see Denzel Washington in normal lighting, I'm like, there's something wrong with his performance. <laughs> Where's the quick cut? <laughs> you know? You know, it's like when Where's I see... Where's the off, 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 off? I watch him in hands. Crimson Tide, then I watch him in John Q. It's like, I don't recognize this person. Who are you? It's like, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> Tony Scott, Tony Scott is working with the, with the alien. Which is why it lights him the way that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, Robert Zemeckis has got uh, a few tongues wagging. Because uh, he said to MTV that he's uh, interested Looking in to doing Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Uh, his exact quote is, I tell you what's buzzing around in my head now, is now that we have the ability, the digital tools, performance capture, I'm starting to think about Roger Rabbit. <laughs> you can think about it all he wants, but there's a fucking uh, right minefield around that. Because this is why I've been reading numerous stories about how this was, um, you know, they wanted to put it into production straight away. But because it's got Looney Tunes and it's got Warner Brothers Looney Tunes characters and other characters, Disney characters, and there was just a whole, you know, the merchandising rights took for ages. It had to take Steven Spielberg to come in and actually sort that out somehow. And um, God only knows it's a minefield now. I mean, rights even like back then, rights weren't so big, you know, problem maybe. But now it's fucking huge so the money's involved they have to one studio is going to pony up and just give the other a shitload of cash yeah. up front and you know watchman costs mm -hmm. no but the thing that uh, kind of scares me about doing a Roger Rabbit sequel is that number one do you need it yeah really I mean the first one was kind of perfectly wrapped up yeah. perfectly you know I mean to continue it you're taking a big risk uh, as much as even if the only way I would like to see it is if Zemeckis does it but at the same time with the, the the fucking love affair that Zemeckis has with technology, yeah, I'm not so sure he. I don't want to see Roger Rabbit with Polar Express eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, I'm I'm not so sure that uh, Roger Rabbit would work if it wasn't the traditional 2D. Yeah, you know, so it's like. But I don't think they'd break them into 3D. I mean, that would break the whole concept. I think what they'd have to do is they just use the 3D tools to make them a bit more. Yeah. Uh, fit in with their environment a little bit more. Because I mean, the effects today, you could. I mean, the whole point of Roger Rabbit is it's a 2D cartoon. They're the characters from those cartoons. They're not. Like in uh, Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Who framed Buzz Lightyear? Mm. Good point. 
Wouldn't work. Huh, I'm excited about this. Have you heard about uh, the new comedy that um, Adam Sandler is writing and producing? No. It's called Born to be a Star. Have you heard anything about this? No, no, no. This, this sounds like it could potentially be the, uh, his best film since Wedding Singer. Really? Be the, 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 it's, about a, a, it's about a small town nerd played by uh, Nick Swarsden, who I'm not too sure who he is, who learns that his quiet and demure parents were famous porn stars in the 70s. And this motivates him to move to Hollywood to follow in their footsteps and become the, 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 the biggest adult film star in the world. <laughs> and Sanders is writing. Sanders co-writing it and he's producing. I'm not sure who's directing. So he might just appear in a cameo or something like that. And uh, a mustachio director played by Don Johnson. <laughs> How nice. awesome does this sound already? That sounds cool. That's, it, that's kicked it up a whole notch. You know, like uh, discovers him and gives him his big break. Christina Ricci plays his girlfriend. And Steven Dorff plays adult film star Dick Shadow. <laughs> Dick Shadow! Steven Dorff. That's been I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. Steven Dorff and Don Johnson in the same movie? I gotta see this. Yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> I'm sold. I haven't been excited about Sandler for like in a while. Oh, and uh, just should probably mention something, seeing as uh, we talked about remakes earlier about Robert Rodriguez remaking Predator. Oh yes, this is news that it was is, like, it was it is official. It is it's official. official, they started pre-production there during the week. Yeah, he's calling it Predators. Predators. As like it's a... Way it's to a take a, a leaf out of um, Cameron's book. Well, but he admits that. Yeah. He admits that, you know, it's like that's basically, he's saying that's what I'm trying to do with this. He's yeah. trying to do a sequel the same way Cameron did. So, we'll see. Yeah, but I mean, there's always, there's an inherent risk with all those movies that when you have a bad guy that's, that's unstoppable, they have to pussy it out so that they can be killed. And if there's more than, like, and they didn't, Jim Cameron pulled it off in Aliens. Yeah. You know, they were still, one of them would still just fuck you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got other movies and they just kind of, they have to start, you know, like an Alien versus Predator, two of the Predators went down like fucking punks. Mm. They were like, you know, the, what, what were these, interns? <laughs> I mean, for fuck's sake. They were killed straight out and then one last way the way through it, whereas in the, the book and stuff like that, there was a load of them, but they were young ones, and I made that clear that they were younger and they went off on their own and did some crazy shit, and the, 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 the leader Predator to say, no, let's do this one, kick some ass. But yeah, Predators, yeah. I just want to know, what the fuck happened to Red Sonja? Yeah, I mean, he I mean, had posters, like, yeah, and, everything posters and everything. It's like, and I was looking forward to that. I think it was after... After Planet Terror? He had a bit of trouble with getting the movie funded with... Um, Rose McGowan in it because just because I mean that's a fucking awesome movie he's just marketed really really badly yeah, yeah. No, but um, and he's also he's also he's got to fit in Machete soon as well doesn't he yeah he's going to be shooting that he's yeah. like trying to he's, he's jealous of Guillermo yeah <laughs> another I'm the, mo I'm the most hardworking Mexican yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck you did you see the uh, thing as well the kind of the preview of um, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some really good reviews online about that. And it's like Terry Gilliam going back to like what he's always wanted. I heard there's one scene with the paint, with the kind of like flat trees that become stage trees that become real trees. Mm -hmm. And that's been something that I think has been in books after book of, on, on him because it's one of those scenes he has for the, was it the defective detective? Mm -hmm. So it looks like he's m moving some of those ideas across. Now, the promo reel of the trailer for it is mostly pre production art and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, it sounds like they saw to replace him with. Jude Law, Jude Law, Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell Johnny Depp. and Johnny Depp, and it's and from the review I read, it said that it's done in a way that makes perfect sense and it doesn't, you know, stick out like a sore fucking thumb. So that, that sounds good. Cool. No, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I haven't seen Tideland. It's the only Gillian film I haven't seen, but I heard it was just so shit and depressing. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Yeah. And it, for some strange reason, have no in, no no interest whatsoever. No interest. Huh. All right. Yeah. Tideland. Just, yeah. Hmm. Looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, trailers. Mm.
I've seen quite a few trailers. Yeah, uh, bumper crap of trailers in the last six weeks. Uh, the new trailer for Transformers 2 is awesome. Fucking, I mean, the, we were at the cinema during the week, we saw the, the old Transformers trailer, but yeah, with it, a little bit extra, and even that, just seeing it on the big screen instead of on QuickTime, was fucking awesome. This new one has got really cool footage. Yeah. Really cool footage. Uh, the, it looks like the robot battles this time around are going to be way clearer. Yeah. Yeah. They're just going, and they're just going all out. They're going fucking, there's fucking Transformers everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> and RC dies. <laughs> Screw you, bitch. <laughs> Michael Bay said, yeah. It's not even a spoiler, okay? Yeah, Michael Bay says, like, you know, I put her in there, I but did. I don't really like her. I don't so. really like her. I just kill her. And then he even says, and it's not even a death that you feel. <laughs> Coming from Michael Bay. He's, he actually went out and said that. You don't even feel it. It's like it happens. You're like, yeah. She trips over and chokes on a bagel. There's actually some, one of the talkbacks actually said, like, is that RC who, who, who gets sucked into the Devastator at the end of the t- <laughs> Oh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, gone. Because I mean, oh yeah, because Jazz's scene from the first movie was so touching when he died. It's just like, no, he's dead. Next up, move on. Yeah, that was really like, Jazz! If that was the cartoon, you know, yeah. they'd be spending 10 minutes on that 20. <laughs> uh, okay, but yeah. It wasn't also, even a dramatic, like, low pan shot with helicopters in the background and people crying. But yeah, Transformers 2, it is really just Michael Bay slapping he's his... amped up the Bay Slapping hand. you with his cock, just entirely. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the best description I can come up with for Transformers 2. It's like getting your face slapped with Michael Bay's cock. <laughs> if you're a Michael Bay fan, you'll know exactly what that means. <laughs> and the other one, the other if there's trailer. another trailer, he'll probably be teabagging you or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Uh, the uh, G.I. Joe, Joe trailer, which looks heavily, very heavily influenced by Transformers altogether in yeah. the combat scenes with their accelerator suits. It, super it, powerful. As far as the trailer goes, purely the trailer, it looks like fun. Yeah, it looks like fun it, the same way the Mummy like movies fun. looked like fun, yeah. but some of them weren't fun. I, res- I you know, I, uh, I'm not going to go out on the limb and say anything because it's Stephen Summers and I hate, fucking hate his dialogue. Yeah. And the trailer, none of the trailers I've seen have had any much, dialogue. Apart had from much dialogue. What is it? They call us when. Yeah, it's like you can't fail. We never. You got Eccleston's fail. fucking Scottish, de- you know, Destro. Whatever the fuck I'm saying, I don't know. He's from Chicago now, is he? Can never understand. No, it's the Bronx. Yeah, <laughs> and he's from he's fucking he's from he's from the north. Like it's fucking he's not from that far north, but he's from he's got an accent that's very hard to disguise. Yeah, it's like you know thick to say the least. Yeah, I think he, when he, he, he said it. He said it in Doctor Who. It's like if you're from if you're from outer space, how come you've got a northern accent? He says plenty of planets have a north. <laughs> uh, okay, I. Nick Nine, Peter Jackson's producing. And that's actually the first trailer. I was always getting confused, wasn't it? There was, there was the, the short movie, it's kind of based on, they showed that as kind of a trailer for an idea of what it was going to be. But this is the first real trailer, right? This is the first real, real trailer, yeah. yeah. So it's an alien nation in Africa. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. It looks really cool. It looks yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and it's all like, you know, the aliens land, they're, they're kind of, it's in 1980s. Is it, they're doing it in 1980s, Johannesburg, or are they doing it now? I can't remember. Yeah, because it's a whole apartheid that kind of... Um, could be the 80s. Thing going on there. Could be the 80s. Could be, yeah. I'm not so sure. Because the aliens land and they're like put in slums and just giving shit and there's only one guy who gets attached to them somehow and learns what their culture is like and stuff, so. But yeah, the marketing for itself has been pretty cool. Their website's pretty awesome. Yeah, they're, they're taking the Cloverfield route. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I heard online. We have to see if I can find it and link off to it off the site. This is someone had a t-shirt with Groverfield <laughs> from Sesame Street. <laughs> People just got way too much time on their hands. That's true. Although well, that's pretty funny, I'd buy it. Well, not everyone, <laughs> not everyone can do a podcast to kill their time. <laughs> to kill their time. 
I'd fucking buy a t-shirt that said Grover. <laughs> exactly. Uh, With a blurry shot of Grover over it. Saw the trailer for Little Ashes. Yeah, I didn't see the this. The new movie uh, that's about the, the the friendship between Garcia Lorca and um, Salvador Dali. Who's Garcia Lorca? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the guy who's playing it. No, but I mean, who is the character? Who is that? Garcia Lorca. He was an he was an, was an artist as well. He was an artist and author. Oh, oh no, poet. Oh. I think it might have been a poet. Yeah, and. Um, uh, so anyways, and Salvador Dali is played by Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Is it Pattinson or Pattinson? Pattinson, I think. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Or as I like to call him, Cedric. As I like to call him, Ed. The now deceased Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the trailer looks, it, this movie looks stupid. Yeah. It looks fucking stupid. You know, like. Stupid bad. For those of you who think, what the fuck, when I say Robert Pattinson is playing Salvador Dali, what the fuck? His, uh, his performance in the trailer is exactly how you would picture his performance to be in your head. Sulky. It's, it's just, does you know. He sm- does he smolder? I don't, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing. He's just sort of like running around there being a punk. You know, and it's like I think Salvador Dali, he should be a pimp. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a punk. Right. <laughs> Fucking this Pattinson punk, just like pissing all over the trailer. Yeah. I can't even tell if the movie's any good because he's in it. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Uh, the trailer from Moon. This looks very cool. This looks very cool. Pretty. It's just on a, such a shitty release. Yeah, yeah. In LA or New York, if you're there and you go see it, if you're not, you're screwed. So, uh, Sam Rockwell is an astronaut who's uh, on assignment in the moon for three years. Yeah. And it's about how he just basically he just he's coming to the end of his t- tenure and shit starts happening. Yeah, he starts losing it. And I was surprised by the or trailer. Does he? Thing. Well, that's the thing. The trailer went pretty far to show you what I thought was going to be something hidden in it. Mm. So to show you that the trailer takes balls, because I mean I I'd read about it online that there's there's something strange happens on the moon. But um, the trailer fucking shows you straight off, and yeah, like, yeah, shows yeah. him freaking out over it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the trailer like gives it a nice sort of like cool science fiction. Uh, mm. uh, it looks like space 1999 on a budget. It, it looks like 2001. Yeah. In, in some in some weird way, and, and that's very very cool. Mm. And Sam that Ro- end shot as it just pans off the surface of the moon, and you see this, the Earth rising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just looks kick ass. That was, that was very nice. And it's directed by Duncan Jones, which is Dave Bowie. Mm-hmm. So it looks like this is gonna be one we're gonna wait for DVD release before we get a chance to fucking see it. Probably, probably. So we'll have, we'll come back to it in a couple of months. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, saw a trailer for Paper Heart, Michael Sarah's new movie. Oh right. It actually looks pretty cool. Okay. Uh, it's about this uh, this this uh, Asian girl. The name's uh, Charmaine Yi. I can't remember what her char- character's name is, but she basically is uh, she's like a young teenage chick or something, and she doesn't believe in love, mm-hmm. and she goes off to make this documentary. Like, is she really hot, but she's wearing glasses and dungarees? Uh, I don't know. She doesn't. She looks cute. Okay. <laughs> and she's basically making this documentary about how like love doesn't exist or something. Oh, okay. And uh, then she meets then she meets Michael Sarah and then uh, kind of falls for him. But it's all captured on the documentary. Like oh. that that kind of concept. It looks sweet. It looks like the kind of movie that Sundance would love. Yeah. <laughs> I think it actually won an award too at Sundance. The so next the next uh, the next Juno. Could be yeah. And the uh, I saw the trailer for the documentary Food Incorporated. What's that? Uh, it's a documentary about basically how everything we eat is shit. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, that, you know, if, if uh, we knew about how all the process, how stuff was processed and everything, we, mm. we would basically never eat. Ever again. Ever again. Yeah. It's a, doc- it's a documentary, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And uh, there's a saw a trailer for another documentary uh, called Facing Ali, which is a documentary told from the perspective of all the guys that Ali fought. Whoa, that's nice. So it's like, get to see the champ through the eyes of the, the people who fought him. Yeah, the people whose face he made a mess out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's, uh, that, that'll be cool. That, I'm actually really interested in seeing that one. Have you seen the documentary for Tyson? 
No, I want to see that. Yeah. Because uh, the reviews have been very, very, very good. Yeah, but the reviews have also said, like, they're un- unapologetic about the fact that he's a fucking animal. Yeah. Like, he just comes off saying shit that, like, another interviewer might call him on, or, like, well, like, you're not going to call Mike Tyson on anything, basically, when you're, you know, or go home with your nuts in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> or your ear in a fucking across the room sticking sliding out the window. <laughs> so I can understand that level of it, but I mean. Apparently he's pretty fucking Nuts. misogynist and just you know oh, yeah. crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's a. I mean, I think the the movie I don't think tries to hide that, oh, yeah. and I think that's part of what is uh, winning the critics over is that uh, okay. is is that it's it's unapologetic, but it's so sincere. Yeah, that uh, you can't help but and and the, you do feel that you uh, understood him a bit more. Mm. You don't necessarily you know I you don't, don't want to understand my you, you don't agree with him, yeah. but you understand how. Um, him a bit better. That's mm. bit the general gist of the uh, reviews I've read. Okay. Moving on to reviews. Right. So summer season, summer blockbuster season has starts here. Or well, started a few weeks ago, but it starts here now. Mm-hmm. So With the, the uh, long, 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 long highly anticipated uh, cover of The Watchmen. <laughs> Spirit was better. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you kick it off? Because I was, I just talked a shitload of fucking news you did. <laughs> Uh, I, I added. I added. Um, fuck off. It's my laptop. That's my contribution. Let's just sit here and listen to you talk. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw it in a bad cinema that wasn't best quality, but um, they did well with the look of it. I fucking hated Ozymandias to start off. Watchmen is the story of Alan Moore's graphic novel, which has um, what would superhero, what would superheroes be like in the real world? And the answer is fucked up. Mm-hmm. So they have a group of superheroes that hit all the archetypes. You got your Superman, your Batman, and all this kind of shit. They were big previously but now it's 1985 uh, Nixon's still on president and uh, masks are being outlawed uh, masks, masks have actually been already outlawed yeah they've been outlawed for a couple of years been outlawed yeah. for quite a while uh, it's, it covers like two generations of superheroes uh, the, the movie itself is uh, okay well the story of Watchmen is essentially a murder mystery yeah I mean, oh, that's the framing though I suppose anyway, yeah. like, around that murder mystery I mean it's about so, so it's about so many fucking things yeah. but uh, the the sort of uh, through line is a, vigi- a Punisher style vigilante called the comedian gets yeah. killed. He gets killed, and uh, Rorschach, uh, another member of the uh, the Watchmen, based upon like you know, detective figures like Batman or Philip Marlowe, uh, Philip Marlowe, and of course the Question. Yeah, uh, and uh, he base he's basically uh, a conspiracy theor- theory nut. Oh, he's basically a nut. He's a nut. Yeah, he's fucking but, crazy. But uh, he smells a conspiracy and thinks that so- and that uh, this is just the first in a line of um, murders are taken assassinations of uh, cost- costume heroes, and so he uh, through his investigation and the people he runs into. He, you, the, you get the back history of this world. You get yeah. how the, their Superman came to be their Superman. The back history of all the characters. I mean, yeah. Okay, first, this is a lineup of the of the Watchmen. There's uh, the comedian, uh, Rorschach. Rorschach, yeah. Night sure. Owl, who is essentially Batman. Batman. Uh, Doctor Manhattan, uh, Superman. Based on the Adam Moore, but yeah, he's yeah. Kind of, he's the only actual superhero. Yeah, he, the rest are all normal. Doctor Manhattan is the only the only one who actually has superpowers. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Sil Specter, Sil Specter Two. Uh, and she's basically Wonder Woman. Yeah, <laughs> and even less Wonder Woman with a little Wonder Woman with a little bit of Huntress. Yeah, <laughs> she basically just like a fetish queen and kicks ass. Pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. God, I fuck. Uh, Wonder <laughs> I fucking loved her. <laughs> I mean, just purely, just I mean, like that scene, that scene in the movie where um, where Night Owl looks up and his fucking mouth just like opens, it just gets goes, you know, just fucking like hits Drops. the floor when she walks down. I was like, yeah. 
Felt the exact same way. I'd hit that. I felt <laughs> friction. <laughs> Full on robot chubby. Luckily, the first time I saw it, I was on my own. Let's stop that conversation. <laughs> let's leave it there. Yeah. Let's yeah put yeah. that away. Yeah, let's leave it there. In your private time. Yeah. In my head, yeah. so in my head. It was the perfect, perfect film. Perfect date. Um, so, throughout this, they go through and you hear about how the superheroes came to be and flashing back to the previous thing and also building up the comedian's life through vignettes from other people and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just seeing what happened to him and then the murder mystery gets solved. Mm. Uh, and also, I mean, when the comic book came out at the time, because it's kind of interesting. One, I, me- I remember reading one review about the movie that said... Oh, graphic novel, not comic book. It's, no. a, it's, it's the book that invented the term graphic novel. Oh, fuck. A comic's a comic, man. Don't <laughs> be know, such a trash. <laughs> graphic novel. But it was de- they used the graphic novel format to the best of their abilities. Like, you could actually flick back through it and see images that refer to images throughout the whole series. The, the, the big, if you've seen the advertising for it, the image of the smiley face with the blood on it is, like, just, it's on everything, but it's also, the smiley face turns up in other places, like a coffee yeah, stain yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And... Snyder did a very good job of replicating the look. Mm. I didn't quite get so much the feel of the book. I this think a lot of commentators were saying that if he'd done the same for film, mm. that the way they've done for the comic book, and I think the opening sequence kind of hits on that. Yeah, they have. Um, have is there how many roads to mark down, or is it what's the, the Bob Dylan song they have over the opening? Oh, uh, time times they are changing. Times they are changing, and it basically gives you a montage, and you got to have a montage of. Yeah. the heroes how they got to this point. Well, I mean, that was uh, what I was saying earlier, like the whole thing about. Uh, it's about two generations of superheroes. The first generation was called the Minutemen. Yeah. And uh, that that's actually, I mean, that... Because that all leads into... The, yeah, I mean, like, it's... The, the, the whole story of the Minutemen is all over the fucking comic. There are all of these references down to actual... Diary like, entries and diary newspaper entries clip and clippings. newspaper clippings and excerpts from the book Under the Hood, which is yeah. the, the biography written by the uh, the first Night Owl. Yeah. Um, Hollis Mason. Hollis Mason. <laughs> uh, but it's... Huh? Huh? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is, it's a very, it's, it's, for, an, so for someone who's never heard of the book, it's, I've yet to sit down with someone who's never seen the book. I've yet to talk to someone who's not read the book and seen the movie and just to see what the hell they thought about I've it. I've talked to a couple of people and they generally don't like the movie. Really? Yeah. Uh, like the ones who are not familiar with the comic generally have not warmed to the comic. Yeah. I mean, to, to the movie, which is kind of understandable because it's, the, the movie does have a bit of a cold uh, oh yeah, it's fucking, it's hostile. You know, it's not um, an inviting thing. Yeah. I mean, the key you know? key part of the book and the movie is that these people are fucked up, and I love, that's when the scenes that I loved in it, when you saw Night Owl and Silk Spectre, and you kind of see it in the actor's face. It's Wilson, isn't it? Something Wilson? Yeah, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. You see it in his face. He's fucked up. Yeah, he's fucked up. And it's not like they're fucked up psychopaths that like to beat up people. Sometimes they are that but as well. But they're also emotionally, just emotionally, they're, they're emotionally, they're all over the fucking yeah. place. I mean, they're a, they're a mess. Yeah, and you, that was you, the key, you know, key, key to the key to the book is like that's that's what superheroes would be like. Now, unfortunately, every comic book took well, it's dark. Yeah. Let's make it dark from that. Whereas the idea was from them because there's been so much publicity material over this was to say, look, you can look at it from a different angle. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the fact that they're all completely nut jobs is just you know that's the angle they look at. I mean that they're real. I yeah. mean, you know, it's not, not not so much not so much nut jobs. It's that they're real people. Well, yeah. you know, Rorschach's a nut job, and um, Tree Barrel name Jackie he, he Earl. Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley. He nails he it. He nails it. He is the fucking nails it's it. It's good. He, he's kind of the he's 
for want of a better word, he is the center character. You know, you are yeah. following his investigation. That's how these things yeah. are set in motion. And I mean, you don't he, see I his mean, face. I mean, I mean, he moves everything. Yeah. He, he moves everything along from the very beginning. I yeah. mean, he's the one who in, initiates everything, who gets everything going. And also, he is the most interesting character. Yeah, because he's a complete you know, nut job. Even like you take away the performance, just like go purely by the comic, he is the, the most interesting character. Yeah. And you know, visually and and story-wise. Yeah. And also point of view. His point of view is just so much fun to read. Yeah. And yeah. So he's much very fun. black and white. There's yeah. evil. There's non-evil. And, so and there's being to, to watch and listen to. And yeah. like that's when the performance comes in. Because he is like things like what the, the, there's the whole thing about looking at the dead dog. Mm. There's mm. a whole thing about that, or you know, it's all comes back to his mother being a prostitute, beating the shit out of him, all this kind of crap. But mm -hmm. like, when it comes to detecting, he's on the job. Yeah. But um, the prison scenes with him are fucking awesome. It's like, really? you're, you're not, I'm not locked in here with you. You're, you're locked, locked in, in here with me. And uh, I, I, I went back and uh, sort of like had a look at that panel again, and it really does capture it, fucking yeah. brilliantly. And his voice is very good through because it, it could turn into a Batman Bale, mm -hmm. but he does manage to keep it. And I love the fact that his alter ego. Just turns up at those spots. They kept that in, and it's like I was like, I recognize that actor, but that's just cool. Just I mean, about, I mean that's what, one of the nice things about the visuals again. They really yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I fucking hated Ozymandias. Yes, they cast him too young. I, when you look at the comic book, he seems I, whether I, he's the same age as uh, Night Owl or not, he gives off this elder statesman vibe. I didn't, I didn't hate uh, Ozymandias. I, I just felt that he wasn't right. Yeah, he, he didn't right. have the gravitas. No, yeah, I mean, Ozymandias, Ozymandias thinks he's the greatest man in the world. No, and also I just physically, just like I, you know, like yeah. the whole heroin chic look, it just didn't didn't work for me. No, I, he's supposed know. to be lithe, not skinny. Yeah, I expect you know, I expected him to be uh, you know a much bigger presence, like and I a bowl just, cut. The floppy hair didn't work for me. I wanted the bowl cut that he had. <laughs> okay, I can do I can do without the bowl <laughs> <laughs> that. You know, that thing that that's Captain America territory. Yeah. Looks good on paper. Mm. <laughs> That scene at the end with the, the fighting with him in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just like, Rorschach and Nightheart consistently knocked on their asses. That was great. That was cool. I love that. And the one thing I have to say as well, the the um, Dr. Manhattan yeah. creation sequence yeah. is almost word for word, panel for yeah. panel from the comic book. And it, is and it works brilliantly. You're just sitting there and it's like, we just had a chapter break. That was awesome. There's just the chat. There's like it made completely sense in the movie, but it just like skipped back and chapter broke, and it was just like and then have his story, and it just was like sweet done, really well done. Yeah, no, th that is where I think like um, a lot of uh, a lot of things that Zack Snyder did worked out really, really well. The uh, the, the Doctor Manhattan creation sequence is beautiful. I yeah. mean, it really is sublime. Yeah, you know, and when it when it when it finally comes to an end, you just kind of get the <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I mean, Father! I mean, like for me, I mean, what what this film would be is that uh, you know, is is it a perfect adaptation? No, no. not by any stretch of the no. imagination. It is not, but it. I think it's really the closest thing you can get to it. We can closely ever get what I was doing a twelve um, episode miniseries. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you know, like it's it's it's, it's a, not Batman and Robin. It's not. No, it's fuck no. It's I not know. Batman and Robin. In, I mean, and in some ways, I actually prefer it to Dark Knight. In some ways, really. In some ways, in terms of um, you got to lay off the crack, man. No, no. In terms of rewatchability, yeah. Reviewing. Well, that's because it's so dense. I can sit. I, I think I could. I think I can watch uh, Watchmen more often than I could Dark Knight. You know. Have you watched Dark Knight recently? Not recently. No. Well, I watched a while ago. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, because there's just so much to take in. Mm. And, um, and watched, maybe that will, that's why it doesn't, might not work with the other audiences because they don't know what they're taking in. Whereas we're looking for something mm -hmm. and it's all there. 
No, I mean, like, because the one thing about, the, the one thing that was kind of interesting, like, because I've seen Watchmen three times now. Yeah. And uh, it's... <laughs> That's how you I didn't like the movie. <laughs> that, that, that's that, that's how I no. I have issues with the movie, but, <laughs> but I, I love what the movie it stands for. What it achieves. Stands for what it achieves. What Taking it a risk on doing this kind of stuff. I mean, and putting a budget behind it's, it. It's probably one of the biggest risks uh, Hollywood has taken yeah. in years to put in that kind of money, that kind of artistic integrity. Yeah, and that so, that stands know. true. There's, n- I mean, it was like I mean, it's long enough enough. That kind of that kind of dedication to source material. Yeah. I mean, whether you love the stories came out about how the earlier scripts is like, well, Rorschach's kind of a depressing. Can we take him out? And can we get, you know, can we get uh, Silk Spectre going out with Manhattan instead, staying with her, and all this kind of other shit? And obviously, you know, I got a polar bear near the end. Mm-hmm. But um, and a giant spider. Yeah, but they they managed to they steered well away from that that stuff, and they yeah. should be applauded for it. I mean, despite the mistakes that may be in the film, despite some of the the decisions, I think they're more maybe flaws rather than mistakes as such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, or, or like. You know, or bad decisions. Mm. You know, like uh, bad, bad choices. Despite all of that, <laughs> despite all of that, the film is a massive feat. I mean, yeah. what, what, what they managed to accomplish. And you have to look at it from the point of view of of, some, of being somewhat familiar with the source material. Mm. If you're unfamiliar with the source material going in, then you base the movie for what it is, and you either like it or you don't. It's like if you're going into War and Peace, expecting you know, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, but being but being aware of the source material, you have to take into consideration the uh, the the attention to detail that the film had. Yeah. To to really genuinely try and replicate this unfilmable book. Yeah. It is, it is an unfilmable filmable book, book. Terry Gilliam. You know, I mean, that this this movie goes to quite a lot of trouble to prove that it is filmable. Yeah. But. You know, even watching it, as much as you may like it, and I really, and I really enjoyed the film, it does prove that it's unfilmable. Yeah. You cannot fit. I mean, like they. It's how long is it? It's. It's two and a, It's over two and a half hours. Yeah. And that's uh, not including the uh, the Black Freighter stuff, yeah, the extra you know, stuff, and all that. Yeah. But uh, the, the, I think like the third time I watched it, I found myself really aching to watch the Black Freighter. Yeah. You know. To see, I, just it, it dispersed throughout. Yeah, you know, like no, I want to watch it on its own, like the whole thing together. Then I want to go back and watch Watchmen, and then when the director's cut comes out, I want to watch it all meshed together. Yeah, because the, the, the Black Freighter is a comic book. Because in yeah. a world with superheroes, the comic books are not about superheroes; they're actually about pirates. There, there are there are two sort of uh, books within the book. Yeah. There's that. There's uh, the Black Tales of the Black Freighter, which is a pirate comic, and um, Under the Hood. Under the Hood, yeah. The uh, the Hollis Mason Hollis Mason autobiography. But what I sort of found uh, for me was like it kind of reminded me the first time I read Watchmen. Yeah. I actually didn't read Tales of the Black Frame. You skipped over those I, I, I read a couple of things. I was oh like, man, I had a fucking pirate section. I, I, read a, I read through a couple of them. I was like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And I just went straight to the story. I've been saying it's a big fucking book and you want to <laughs> figure out the, who killed fucking the comedian for God's sake. What yeah. do you this pirate shit for? So the first time I read Watchmen, I actually just read the streamlined Watchmen story. I've read, it's, I, it's like I, when you're reading Lord of the Rings yeah, and you yeah. skip the Elvish. It's like, what well, fucking I didn't, I didn't. I didn't read the Black Freighter. I didn't read the under the hood sections. I didn't read the fucking newspaper clippings. I just Did read, you read the dialogue? You just looked at the pictures. <laughs> I read the dialogue. I just didn't read all that like extra shit, mm. which you know doesn't take away from the story. No. And then the second time, I just read Black Freighter. I just read all that, like, cause I like to, like, uh, you know, like go back and read the, the the extras that you get in those hardcover editions. No, but when I, cause I can't go to the toilet without having something to read. <laughs> even back then, at that age. Thanks for sharing. Even back then, at that age, you got to take a piss. I I need to have something to read. <laughs> That's why there's a reading light in your bathroom. <laughs> Do you see like that stack of magazines <laughs> I have in my The one holding up the wall? <laughs> but, that's uh, a load-bearing stack of magazines. So that's that's how I discovered Black Freighter. And, <laughs> and Under the Hood was, you know, on the crapper. 
you know, they're just reading through all, all, all that extra stuff. <laughs> and then, I, well, the, then the, the next time I read Watchmen, I read it all in one shot. Yeah. And then I got like all the symbolism and all that shit. And I was like, oh, oh cool. Hey, this has got, got layers. And I like the way that Zack Snyder and, and co. have fucking done the, the movie experience of it. Yeah. Somewhat different because, you know, you, you know, you watch Watchmen and then like maybe two or three months down the line, you watch Tales of the Black Freighter. And then after that, you may... Watch the two of them together, which is may, the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> is the plan. I mean, like, uh, I was upset that there are, that uh, certain things were missing from the film, but, you know, like... Uh, the, prof- I, the, the psychiatrist didn't get an awful lot of time, but I thought he, he, got, him, he got in there, he got enough, he got and, you see him, and you see him at the end yeah. as well with the squid. I mean, squid. you see all of the, all of the, the, the psychiatrist stuff, you see all of his stuff that doesn't involve the wife. Yeah, it's I just mean, all about one stuff with the... You get that story from Rorschach, and that just that shows their relationship, and just yeah. gets what you yeah. need in there. And, um, and I mean, I would have liked to have seen the, 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 uh, the Hollis Mason D uh, scene. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I think it was was that shot. It minute? was shot. Yeah. It was shot. Because uh, I was watching some behind the scenes footage, and they were shooting that scene. So it's like, it, uh, hopefully it'll come out in the director's cut because that was the part of the, uh, the comic that kind of like fucked me. I was yeah. like, oh shit, man. Yeah. Well, like nice old dude. Nice old Batman. <laughs> You know, like to me, it's like you, that. That really did feel like a, like someone who didn't deserve. Yeah. You know that I, and that you, kind of thing. You're talking about risks, like having the risk of like Batman can't get it up unless he's wearing the suit. That was when I saw that in there, and that just kept as it was. That yeah. was great. No, that was great. That's when you say, ah, he's fucked in the head. No, I mean, look, that's what I'm saying. Like this movie is a big risk. I mean, and it, it deserves to be applauded for that. I mean, like all of the things that you th- that you believe about superheroes, this movie does go out of its way to shit all over that. Image. Yeah, yeah. And for that alone, I think it should be applauded. I mean, it. But I think in in losing some of the um, subplots, some of the subplots, what I think suffers most in the film is actually the social, the political commentary. The, the, the yeah. Sub- oh, and Nixon was fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Nixon that- has this rubbery nose on that's just atrocious. Especially after watching Frost Nixon, yeah. he doesn't even need the oh, oh, right. He doesn't need the voice right. The guy, the, the guy who does the voice of Futurama is better than him. I, I only heard his oh, uh, in in one in one line. No. I've been charged with someone someone of the USSR. <laughs> That's the only time I heard it. Otherwise, I was like, you know, where's Anthony Hopkins? And you need yeah, it? Yeah, fucking hell. Just could splice in scenes from that and be fine. Cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you know Nixon had the, was the biggest potty mouth. Mm. Nixon just every second word was just fuck, yeah. talk, shit. I'll tell you when you're president. <laughs> but yeah, you lose a lot of that political stuff. They add some other political stuff, which is just light. Yeah, it, it's 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 uh, it's glazed over. It's really really glazed over. And and I think because it is, it's 1985, and the Cold War is still on, and every, everyone's worried about it. Like the fact the way that people used to be worried about, it, which we've all forgotten about. Yeah, I think that's where the that, I think that's where the film sort of. Uh, uh, is n- is not a very good adaptation. Yeah, they made them Afghanis might be understandable. Mm-hmm. And also, that something's very interesting is that uh, when the comic came out in the '80s, it was very much um, commentary of that, that time. That yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, Zack Snyder has chosen to keep the film in the '80s, which is, which I think is the right decision. Yeah. But by doing so, he inadvertently turns his movie into a weird little period movie. Yeah, it's an <laughs> it's a period superhero movie. Yeah, you know, which is and that and that also sort of flips in its ear, like and that and that's something that has nothing to do with the comic. Yeah. At all, that's just by being faithful to the comic. Yeah. You you do that, and it, and I thought that was fun, funny. Yeah. The uh, uh, I remember the review in Empire actually pointed that out. 
is that, you know, it's kind of weird. By placing it in the 80s, it's like, it's a period flick. Yeah. <laughs> it's no longer uh, sort of like urgent, current, you yeah. know. Because when it came out, these were genuine fears. The whole yeah. thing that we may blow each other up. I mean, it, it was, it was uh, you know, like... All we leave behind is our shadows. It was right in line with the zeitgeist at the time. And, and uh, <laughs> a little cramp. Yeah. A little cramp. <laughs> <laughs> When did you get so southern? Oh cramp. Oh cramp. You get cramp in your cramps. <laughs> Giggity. Giggity. Uh, and also I didn't agree with some of Zack with Zack Snyder's um, and this is actually covered in quite a few reviews. Uh, music choices. Oh, some of the music did take me out of it. Interesting a lot. in the sense that I mean, it's kind of it's like I agree with them in the sense that I love those songs. I think they're cool songs. But they don't just quite go with some of the scenes. But it's like no style, right? You know, it's like uh, like um, for me though, the one that stuck out the most was Sound of Silence. Yeah. Because every time I hear Sound that's of Silence, that's a comedian's funeral, right? That's a comedian's funeral. Yeah, it was like that's. It's like every time I hear that song, as soon as the first thing comes on. I see Dustin Hoffman standing on that fucking like uh, flat escalator. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in, in the credit sequence for Graduate. Yeah. I mean, I just so identify that song with the Graduate. Yeah, but he's using music of the time, and it's just like uh, I know, I know it's music, music of the time. I mean, fuck. <laughs> you might as well. They might as well. Oh, the Watchtower was played at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. really, that kicked that me really, right out of the fucking cinema. <laughs> I mean, the the. I woke up in the lobby, going, "What the fuck happened there?" I mean, the best choice the, for me was. Uh, like you know, times they are changing, but that's yeah. in the actual comic. Yeah. Uh, chapter one ends with a quote from that song. Uh, it's the hate comics with songs in them, though. I'd be reading through Grant Morrison and Neil Gaiman stuff, going, "I don't know the fucking song. What's the meaning of this?" I've been following Neil Gaiman on Twitter. He's dull. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking boring. You heard it here first, folks. Neil Gaiman, dull shocker. Yes. Oh, today I woke up having a cup of tea. <laughs> well, I mean, I used to look at his blog, and he updated that once a month, so that was all right. <laughs> Twitter is like. Fucking Twitter. <laughs> it's your new toy, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, like I, I. If you haven't seen it, find it somewhere and have a look. It's worth it's worth seeing if you're into the kind of shit we're into, which is what this podcast is about. I mean, I, I would give it four out of five stars. Yeah, I would give it four. It's out a five valiant stars. effort. And it I, does mean, well. I mean, I um, mean, it, it's. I mean, for me, there's more good points than bad points in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's it's a movie that expects you to pay attention. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. I mean, particularly if you're. It ain't um, a popcorn Saturday night date movie. Yeah. I mean, if you're familiar with the source material, you're unless gonna, you want a three-hour makeout session. If you're familiar with the source material, you're probably going to be one of those viewers that goes in there the first time paying too much attention. Yeah. And therefore fucking up the experience for yourself. Uh, but if you just go in there and just just follow the story, take it for what it is, because as it is with all you know like movies that are based on comic book source material, you have to differentiate. The yeah. fact that the movie is its own entity. Yeah. You know, it, it's, I mean, but then this is the thing comic books always look, you know, everyone expects Spider Man or Superman, but it's like novels don't have this problem. You don't get it, you know, someone's directing Jane Austen and you don't get guys going awesome, it's going to be a fucking action flick. <laughs> you know, you have to take the source material at what I, it I, is. I would, I would love to meet a bunch of girl geeks that, uh, you know, but they're geeks about sort of like Jane Austen and shit like that, you know. And, and Jane Austen is the no, but what I mean is, is that they go see movies and that they, they go see Jane Austen movies and, and they then watch, talk about it. They watch them the same way as comic book geeks. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, man? What's up with the new costumes? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Knightley was fucking well off. <laughs> I hope you fucking burn in hell, Brett Ratner. <laughs> Brett Ratner, can you imagine? Brett Ratner's announced as a new director for Pride and Prejudice, Prejudice. remake. And fucking Austin geeks lose their fucking mind. <laughs> it's like Ratner. 
Come on! Pride and Prejudice with Chris Rock and Jackie Chan. They don't even care about the material. <laughs> Fucking Fox. <laughs> Let's wrap that up there because we have to move on to our very first pre-opening fucking screening review. Pre-opening screening review, this is a monumental occasion. Mm. Yeah, we're almost like proper movie reviewers now. We saw yeah. the movie before it came out. Yeah. So yes, Watchmen, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. And <laughs> uh, now we move on to J.J. Abrams. What do you Abrams. think, Cisco? Oh shit, too soon? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. We also have the review, we got to see the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek this week. Star Trek. This movie is, in a word, awesome! It is as William Shakespeare once said, the bomb. <laughs> I went to see this. I really had no expectations. It is, as Ice Cube once said, rather nice. Rather nice. <laughs> it's a tea. Uh, but it is. It is it's it, a kick-ass movie. It's a kick-ass movie, and it's a movie that works as a movie. It's uh, I think what the, it's Transformers good, as in that I can see it getting the same kind of audience that Transformers did, because it's just fun roller coaster movie. It is. Uh, I mean, for me, the best way I can describe it is it is this year's Iron Man. Yeah. In the sense that it has completely set the bar. Yeah. For the summer, the same way Iron Man did. Uh, and it'll probably get pissed on by something that comes out later on in the year. <laughs> probably, probably. But I mean, like uh, at the end of the day, I mean, one thing you need to know about this movie is just it's fucking fun. Yes, it's it is a roller coaster. So much fun. It's funny as hell. The cinema was in stitches, and these aren't like you know fucking jokes on or funny. something. I was I was surprised at yeah. how funny it was. If you hate Star Trek this is like something that would you don't need to know anything about Star Trek this it's a fun action yeah. movie in space with some cool stuff and if you are a Star Trek fan it this honors it completely yeah you're not getting pissed on at all you're not man. getting pissed on JJ Abrams is jerking off all over the fucking Star Trek <laughs> mythos in the best possible way <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> fuck you had twist but uh, <laughs> he he lubes up his fucking first season of the original series on an hourly basis <laughs> and this movie is basically his cum. <laughs> this movie is the result. I didn't need to know that, dude. I know, I mean, like, the casting is spot on. Absolutely. The casting is absolutely spot on. Chris Pine is an amazing fucking James T. Kirk. He doesn't do a Shatner. He doesn't even try to be Shatnerific, but he just nails what the character of Kirk always is. But which is a cocky little shit, but he's cocky for a reason. Because he's nearly always right, and his plan always works. And he's just so fucking cool. Yes. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. His kids are gonna be dressing in yellow yeah, shirts. Yeah, yeah. He's just, I mean, one, yeah, I mean, like James T. Kirk. He's exactly what you think he is. He's a cocky little shit, but he's fucking cool. And that, yeah, he's, he's, but it's not. Cocky he's the kind of guy you'd love to have a beer with. Yeah. He's the kind of guy you'd love to go out and party with. And he's also the kind of guy that you'd love to be on a fucking Starfleet mission with. Yeah, and he's like yeah. razor sharp with everything's a bit of a, you know, bit of fun. Yeah. Carl Urban blew me away as Bonds. Carl Urban, fuck. Uh, it's actually a bit odd. It took me out for a bit, but then like, when you get into it, it's like space is, is dark and disease and death. <laughs> I mean, the, you know we work in space. <laughs> the scene when you're introduced to him and he's like bitching about it and and his face gets all distorted towards the end of yeah. it. <laughs> so, like, I was like, yeah. Nostrils flaring. Now that's bones. Yeah, that's bones. Anton that's... Anton Yelchin as fucking Chekhov. He goes a different way than I expected because it's not. It wasn't so much problem with the Wessels. It was the Wickers. <laughs> But he is fucking. They, they, it doesn't. It's not a parody. It's not a parody. It's just a funny Russian dude. It's a funny Russian dude, and he's fucking funny. I mean, he's. And what's what's beautiful about it is that it's so innocent. 
Yes, I mean, and he is. I mean, he's, he plays him like a wide-eyed nerd, and I yeah. love it. And because he, he's the, I mean, even in the old series, he was the only, one of the youngest guys there. Yeah, and he yeah, is yeah. like, you know, he's, he's he's he was like he's going con, and like Kirk isn't even you know graduated properly, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think Chekhov is all he's, he is a bit of, he's a bit cool. He's a bit a bit of a genius, but like you know, you don't get that kind of shit. And he has the distinction of being the only character in the movie who doesn't fuck up. Yes. <laughs> John Shaw's fuck up. Let's not let's not give anything away. No, but there is just some funny uh, well, ass shit. What I mean, what what we will say about this is that you have to understand that this movie covers their first mission. Yeah, it's due to the like, new this, the is, their, this is their first time on on the on on the Starship Enterprise. And they're their all they're mission. all just out of cadets. It kind of fills in their backstory and. The reason why they don't look like William Shatner or some of that is due to some strange timey-wimey thing. Yeah, yeah. But it makes total sense to the long-term Star Trek nerds. It doesn't destroy your history. It's an ultimate timeline. It's all good. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it's... Uh, can't say. Yeah, they're, they're, it, uh, it, the movie takes place in an alternate timeline. And it shows how, instead of getting together the way they did in the other movies, they, this is how they get together. Okay. And just showing their relationships between each other. And they all, the, the main cast, every single one of them gets... A nice few moments. Yeah, There's no, everybody gets their moment to shine. It's not like Sulu's gonna get fucking, you know, a few shots on the bridge. Sulu gets a moment to shine, and what a moment it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the fucking, the, 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 the lead up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this lead up to a joke, and then you're like, ah, oh, he's fucking, he's, what's he doing? He's on this assault team. He's useless. And then he whips some fucking ass, and he has the coolest fucking little yeah, thing yeah, ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, awesome. Simon Pegg as Scotty. Very, very cool. Very Simon, cool. It's so exciting. But Simon Pegg as Scotty, he's probably, I mean, being a geek boy himself, He's incredibly faithful. Yeah, he's incredibly faithful to the original. Uh, his, his interpret his interpretation is actually very close. And the way they meet up is quite funny because you don't expect yeah. that at all. It's no, just no, like, no. and he, I don't know, is he older than Chris Pine? Because he's less hair. <clears throat> he's older. Yeah. Uh, and Zachary Quinto as Spock, very cool. Very, very cool. Very, to me, very cool. Again, because the beginning, I wouldn't say the beginning slow, but I was like, it was more time spent on stuff than getting to the Kirk stuff. Not that that, that, that should put you off it, because you do need to know this background to fill it in. But it was like, I think it was two thirds through the movie when there was the three of them were bantering mm-hmm. and it was just like the old show. It was the old characters, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, this magazine had like the list of things they want to see in it. This yeah. uh, SFX magazine for the UK. One, a Spock McCoy bickerfest that culminates in the casual racism of you green blooded inhuman hobgoblin. <laughs> Tick. <laughs> Kirk gazes upon the Enterprise with manly but moist eyed adoration. Now the one that I don't think this happened—the Kirk brawl that ends in a ragged shirt and three knee cleat, uh, ch- chest, three knee claw wounds on his chest. Did, did uh, he have any ripped shirt action throughout no. the movie? No. no. There's not the homage to that aspect of it. No. But uh, they have the movie does have a beautiful homage to uh, Kirk's sexual uh, tastes. Yeah. Uh, if you are a fan of the original series, you will you will identify it immediately. If you're a man, you'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> But it's great that, that, that it does that, answer a question for uh, that a lo- I have definitely asked myself for quite a long time ever since seeing that. Are they green all over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do the colors match what, the cups? Wonder what, wonder what it would look like today. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a rollicking good adventure the, story. The only it's yeah I mean just a, and I think the key word there is adventure. I mean one thing that I read I think it was in Total Film the review of Total Film that yeah. um, that I thought really hit the nail on the head. Is actually is that it's the first Star Trek movie ever to have a star a Star Wars sparkle, and that's what J.J. Abrams set out to do. Yeah, you know, like uh, like the original, like uh, the original uh, non prequel movies. Yeah, uh, the, the sort of sparkle sparkle they had, and I think the keyword there is adventure. Yeah, this one really does have. 
it really does push the whole adventure, space adventure thing yeah, to, uh, to the max. Yeah. And, it, and the pacing, once it gets going, is fucking relentless. Yeah, it's pretty good. It just keeps going after and after itself, and there's just more and more shit happening. And there's a bad guy, Nero, Romulans, fucking Romulans. Romulans. And um, Leonard Nimoy, fucking awesome. Leonard Nimoy, yeah, Leonard Nimoy turns up, and he's awesome. He's so good. The cinema we went to see it with, he did the Live Long and Prosper, and there was a round of applause, and it wasn't us. <laughs> Yeah. We felt embarrassed. Yeah, it's like, you fucking tourists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, like, they're like, these fucking, you know, so a lot of the Malaysian audiences, right? They're like, you know, like when bands come here and perform, the crowd only really loses it when they play their greatest hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those lesser known. Oh, that's why I saw the Spock's greatest hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's like being at a concert like that where it's like, they keep waiting for the only song they know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Star Trek, mm, mm, yeah, mm, mm. Oh, yeah, so I feel cool! <laughs> Look, I'm doing the same thing everyone else is doing! Well, the audience we saw with... Who isn't clapping? The real fans, yeah. motherfucker! <laughs> Who hold it in until later. Who laugh at the character stuff! <laughs> <laughs> but they do hit off an awful lot of the old sayings and phrases in, in new ways. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, a lot yeah, of them yeah. are just funny. It's not like an obvious fucking joke. Like no, you, no. Like they used to do when they did the TV or movie uh, adaptation, they'd say it in a kind of a knowing way. This is just like, it's, it's part of the dialogue, it makes total fucking sense, and you buy it, and it's just awesome then. It's, it's, it's awesomeness is increases by a factor of N. And I really like it when Spock, uh, when, when old Spock says to young Spock, it's like, I'm not going to say my customary, customary, <laughs> customary sign-off, and instead I'll just say, good luck. And that was awesome, that was, that was very awesome. cool. And uh, yeah, Zachary Quinto, I mean, yes, for the first half of the movie, I did expect him to like, you know, hang, hold someone up against the wall and cut their brain out. Mm -hmm. But then he starts... When they're in the middle of that argument, Kirk's fighting an uphill battle with his boss, and he's totally wrong, or everyone just sees him as wrong, and where and fucking Spock hates him. He fucking hates him at this point. And then for Spock to take his side, because it's utterly logical what he's saying, Captain. Mm. That was that was it. Yeah, that was yeah. it. He fucking he got it right there. That's Spock. He's logical. He, he can be a hothead, and that's what people forget as well. In the later stuff, Vulc Vulcans became very stony, whereas you know Spock always was in the TV show. He would crack a smile mm. because they were making the shit up as they went along. Yep. It wasn't all cast in stone, but they keep that because it's not human, so it works out well. And you get to see it all makes perfect sense. Everything in the movie makes perfect sense from what you've seen before. Yeah, uh, I mean the only weak, the, the the only sort of like the big distraction for me was actually Winona Ryder. Yeah, in her old face makeup. I just didn't understand why they needed to cast Winona Ryder. Mm. Not to say she was bad in it, you know. I mean, I don't think she was bad in the movie. It's just that I just didn't understand. Well, she didn't get an awful lot of it because that, that, that scene, that, that publicity photo they put around everywhere, which was uh, Winona Ryder and her husband Ben Cross with the uh, baby. Yeah. Not even in the movie. Not even in so the movie. So it looks like there might be more in a Because the, the only reason I could think of that you would cast Winona Ryder as Spock's mom is because you want to show her when, she, when she's young. Yeah. You know, otherwise it makes no sense to have Winona Ryder in that role if she's playing an old woman. You might as well just cast an old woman. But that moment. With the transporter? Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah, that was... That was amazing. And it's one of these things as well, like, you know, the old Star Trek, they run into a, a dead end because they've gotten so far ahead in the future that, you know, the technology would solve all the problems so you couldn't create any drama. This puts it right back at the start. The transporters are fucking shit. Yep. You know, you have to use a joystick to, to lock onto the person. It's yep. like playing Missile Command, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, the transporters aren't great. The shields and the ships might not be fantastic. They were talking about if you can get us to warp four. Mm-hmm. You know, because the, the old scale, Warp Factor 9 was like, you, no way you even get in there in those ships. Five or six is the highest you can get. So they remove an awful lot of that stuff that just prevented the storytelling. Whereas now they can just, they do it because they have the adversity they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that was nice. No, it's a kick-ass movie. 
<clears throat> I mean, it's like I said, it's it's definitely set the bar yeah. for this summer. So it'll be interesting to see how Terminator Salvation turns out and yeah. how Transformers 2 comes out. Yeah, because I mean, it is like, as I said, this Transformers code is the way I'm describing to my less illuminated friends. It's Transformers good. <laughs> but it's, it's, I hope it's going to be huge because I just want to see more. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wanted, uh, after we, we saw it on Wednesday and after that, Thursday morning, I want to go see it again. No, it's, it's a very fun film. I mean, it, it is uh, the kind of movie that there are just lots of, there's lots of imagery in there that will stick in your head. Yeah. Quite a bit. And there's quite a few lines in there that'll stick in your head as well. You know, because. Uh, you out of your book and mind? <laughs> there's, there's some quotable lines in this thing. Yeah. And it's probably from the first Star Trek movies that, that, yeah, you really get a sense of fun. You know, I mean, like, uh, for me, it's like not all the, the Star Trek movies have that. You know, it's like, and a lot of the St Star Trek movies tend to have this slight sense of self-importance. Yeah, a little bit. You know, uh, that this movie possesses none of. You know, it's like watching, it's like watching Shakespeare being done in the most, in the least unpretentious way. Yeah. That's kind of how this movie is. It's like watching a Star Trek movie that just really wants to do nothing more than to take you on a roller coaster. That's it. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> and in doing so, uh, completely respects its mythology. Yeah. I can highly recommend to anyone go see this movie. If you hate Star Trek, go see this movie. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Fun. You do not need to be a Trekkie to enjoy this movie. But it helps. But it, de you know, it definitely helps. I mean, it's the, it's the same way you didn't need to be a Batman fan. To see Batman, yeah, to know, enjoy to, Batman. You know, to enjoy it, but, it, you know, being a fan helps. <laughs> exactly. Same thing with Watchmen. <laughs> But with Watchmen, I think sometimes being a fan probably doesn't help. No, because you're nitpicking motherfuckers. Because all, all fans just naturally assume that they know best. So, <clears throat> two great movies to review this week, but uh, moving on to the top ten. Um, starting off with Malaysia Box Office Top Ten. Number ten, Jangan Tegur. It's a Malay movie. Oh, following on the Magnavan Roy's Vice Tradition, we've not seen it. <laughs> Number nine, he's, he's just, just not, not that, that into you. Is it, he's just not that into you, or he's just not that into you? I don't know, but I'm just not into seeing this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight, the Sinjuku incident. Uh, Jackie Chan was here to launch the premiere of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine saw it, says it's the funniest fucking comedy he's ever seen in his life. Intentionally? No. Because <laughs> it looks kind of serious. He said the movie is so bad. Oh, really? He says it's so bad. And he, it's, it was really funny because like uh, he was saying that... Um, uh, Jackie Chan and Daniel Wu, the other guy in it, have the worst sort of Chinese accents when they speak Mandarin. Oh yeah? Because they're, you know... They're, yeah, so they're, they're Cantonese-speaking people, they're not Mandarin-speaking people. And it's like, like when Americans try to do an Irish accent. It's like when he went, to, he went to see it in Singapore, in, in the cinema, and he said that there was this one line where Daniel Wu get the entire audience erupted in laughter <laughs> because, his, because of his Mandarin. His pronunciation he, was Basically, basically he's got his arm cut off, right? Uh, and Jackie Chan's like, you know, like, can, you know, like, can I get you anything? It's like, no, like, tell me what you, tell me what you want. And he says, he says in the worst Mandarin accent ever, I want my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and the entire audience just erupted in laughter. Oh, no. Number seven, Ayan. Daniel. Daniel. Number seven, Ayan. Ayan? I no idea. I think it's an Indian movie. Probably. Number six, coming soon. I saw some of the promotional materials this week at the cinema. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, from, a, it's from the guys who did Shudder, right? Yeah, it's like a, it's a it's a, a cinema movie that kills you. <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah, kryptonite. And number five, the uninvited. Uninvited. Yep, that's a remake of the movie Tale of Two Sisters. Oh yeah, the Tale of Two Sisters is very good. The Korean movie, very that's fucking fucking disturbing. Koreans shit. are fucked up in the head, man. The shit they come up with. 
I want to I want to have a threesome with a Korean chick and a Japanese chick. Okay, because well, that would just be so much insanity. With long black hair, walking backwards. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fucked up by those movies, I swear to God. And uh, number four, Fast and the Furious 4. Fast and the Furious 4. I have heard from Fast and the Furious fans that this is uh, very good. Yeah. Really? From Fast and the Furious fans. Yeah. You know, like I've heard from non Fast and the Furious fans that they don't know because they wouldn't see it anyway. Yeah, well, that's the kind of thing. This is almost getting worse than Star Trek because this is set between movie two and movie three. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like people have to worry about Fast and the Furious continuity for fuck's sake. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like I, I have no desire to see it. Although I'm sure uh, eventually I will. Yeah. And I'll probably enjoy it in some weird way. Yeah. Number three, Paul Blart Mall Cop. This is huge in the U.S., but every review I've heard about it has just been like terrible. Yep. Number two, The Sniper. sniper. Oh, Malaysians want to see Edison Chen. <laughs> Is this a remake of the, um, someone's watch over me, what's his fucking name? This is a... Dylan Derringer, John Paul Derringer movie? This is a Chinese movie. Oh. Um, it's, uh, Edison Chen's first film since The Scandals. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, coming in number one, Bohasa. Jangan Pile Jalan Hitam. Bosa, Bosia. Bosia, sorry. Bosia. Jangan Pile Jalan Hitam. Yeah. Malay movie, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> Now we go to okay, US top, top 10. Number, number 10, 10, Crank, Crank High, high voltage. voltage. What I've heard of the most misogynistic, dumbest movies ever made. I am so looking forward to it. <laughs> it's not doing too well, though. No. But I mean... Uh, I really want to see it. The trailers and everything, I mean, it's 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 aimed pretty low. And I mean, it's not under the bar, it's under the ground with the fucking the demographic they're aiming for. It's just fucking ridiculous. Although I've heard there's some worryingly misogynistic stuff. There's some stuff that's like not actually that funny. There's some, there's some shit happens to a stripper that's actually like, this is not on. You know what I mean? It's like, because it's, there aren't, it, you, can, you can push an envelope so far in comic violence, but there's a point where it becomes kind of sick. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> Number nine, nine Fast, Fast and Furious. Furious. Number eight, Hannah Montana, Montana the movie. movie. Didn't we have one of those already? Uh, now we have another one. Fuck it. Yep. It's like Pokemons. I don't understand Hannah Montana. Number seven, State of Play. The remake of the British um, miniseries. Yep. This has gotten very good reviews. Mm. Very good reviews. Uh, Helen Mirren plays the Bill Nye role. No, but there's Helen Mirren, there's Ben Affleck, ben Affleck Russell Crowe, Russell Crow. and Rachel McAdams. Yeah, originally it was supposed to be Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. Norton. Yeah. But yeah, it looks good. Sounds good. Number six, Monsters vs. Aliens. I really want to see this. I just, I just, the trailer was cracking me up in the cinema again. I've seen that trailer hundreds of times. No, no, I really want to see it as well. Uh, number five, Earth. That's, uh, it's some... Documentary? It was, it was an Earth Day movie. Earth Day movie, yep. Yeah. You get to see how beautiful our world is. Number four, The Souls. Soul. It's finally out! Yep, I think we started talking about that in the middle of last year. Reviews have been mixed. Yeah. Uh, basically, like the, the the things that I've heard most about the film is that it can't decide what it wants to be. Yeah. And uh, if it's a small C kind of like two men coming together, yeah, there's, there's no there's a friendship no, where they don't fuck each other or there's no emotional through line. because uh, this is uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jamie Foxx. Yep. Yep. Number three, fighting. fighting. <laughs> they had the trailer for this at Star Trek, didn't they? Yep. Look retarded. It looks stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, 17 again. Zach fucking Efron, the juggernaut continues. Zach, uh, Zach Efron and Robert Pattinson fucking need to just have an accident. Yeah. They need to They need to just do nothing but bad films so their career will just die. Shrivel up and die <laughs> in the vine. Number one, Obsessed. Obsessed, Beyonce Knowles' new movie. Oh, great. Yeah, mm. it's like Fatal Attraction. Let's talk about Watchmen some more. But no. <laughs> Anywho. That sums up the 
first broadcast of our second series. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.